0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome to yet again, another episode of the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. And we're finally in draft week this week for the NFL Draft, um, quickly approaching like we've always talked about. We got a little bit more draft um, content to talk about today, but today's episode is actually an Ask Slaw episode. So we took to social media um, and asked on stories on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um... You know, just questions that anyone wants to send for today's episode that we can discuss and talk about in more detail. And we had a lot of uh, questions sent in. We picked a good handful of them to talk about today. And I think we had a lot of good stuff to talk about, both about the NFL draft, uh, coronavirus, you know, big news and the NFL going on with free agency and all over the sports world um, regarding the pandemic and sports in general. Uh, which brings us to our first question that came in. It says, do you think the 2020 in, uh, football season, uh, so college and NFL, um, will start on time or will it be delayed? Um, personally, um, I hope, it re- I really hope it starts on um, on time. You know, I love football. Um, it's one of my favorite sports and I hope it starts on time, obviously for that reason. But... At the end of the day, we really don't know um, with this pandemic going on um, if there will be a return of professional sports um, and normal seasons this year, uh, fall. And, of course, like summer sports and things like the Olympics, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, OTAs with football, uh, spring training, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, baseball um, that has been delayed. And, you know, the NBA, if they'll come back and continue their season and have a playoffs this year. All that we don't really know about, but with football, um, that's a tricky one. Uh, Football brings in a lot of money um, for a lot of cities, a lot of colleges. Um, It's one of the big money-getters is college football uh, for college universities. So obviously they want to start back um, on time, don't want to be delayed. But at the end of the day, it's not really about the money um, with these schools and the teams. It's about uh, safety of fans, safety of you know, pretty much everyone involved. And from what we heard so far about uh, professional sports, we had um, President Donald Trump saying that he hopes pre- uh, professional sports. will start back on time. Um, but if that were to be the case, there will be no fans in attendance. Um So he met with, you know, all the commissioners for all the leagues. You know, Dana, uh, Dana White, he met with Roger Goodell, Rob Manfred, Um, Adam Silver, all those commissioners for all the pro sports leagues in America that are um, on hold due to the the pandemic. Um, But I mean, some have already come back. You know, the PGA um, announced that they'll resume hosting golf tournaments without fans in June. That's looking really good for the sports world, um, having the PGA come back. But with football, we're really hoping that comes back. On time, um, I think. Hopefully, it will start on time without fans in attendance, like Trump says, and we can get football season back rolling. Good, and everything will go back smoothly once this pandemic passes over. We can start filling stadiums up again. You know whether we have, you know, limits on the amount of people who can sit next to each other, uh, spaces in the seats between people, and eventually, you know, packed out stadiums, roaring crowds like we're all used to with football. Um, so, what the question? Do you think? the 2020 football season will start on time or will it be delayed? I think it'll start on time um, at the end of the day. Uh, I just don't think fans will be in attendance when it starts. But I do hopefully think uh, that football will start back on time. I think teams can easily check players' temperatures and have them come in and start OTAs and just check temperatures before and after practice make sure everyone's healthy. and We're just keeping the risk of spreading this disease down. Um, But yeah, I do think football season will start back on time just without fans. Uh, so that brings us to our next question. It says, which NFL team has the best new uniforms this year? Uh, it's kind of a funny question. It brings back um, a one-on-one episode I did back in the fall of uh, which MLB team had the best uniforms this year, um, new uniforms. And I was uh, proclaimed the art connoisseur um, by people like Javik Blake, uh shout-out, um, on one-on-one sports. So we're bringing back art connoisseur, uh, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw on the show um, to talk about these uniforms. So we have three teams currently at the time of this episode that have released new uniforms. Uh, we got the Cleveland Browns, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. Well, we have some more upcoming, um, teams like the Rams are going to come out with new uniforms showing off their, uh, new logo. Uh, we also have the Colts who had new uniforms, but they had really some minor changes to their uniform. Um, I like those, uh, for the Colts. However, um, I like the new numbers, throwing it back old school. I like the throwback logo uh, on the collar. So the Colts' uniforms look fresh, but not really some major changes, so I don't really want to talk too much about them. But like I said, the Rants have new uniforms coming. The Patriots have uniform, uh, new uniforms coming up this week. But we're just going to talk about the three that we've known so far, the Cleveland Browns, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Atlanta Falcons. So I'm going to start with Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland Uh, Debuted their uniforms last week, and they have looks like a a away uniform, uh, white jersey with uh, brown pants, and they kept the uh, kind of stripes on the uh, shoulder with the brown and the orange. I like that they kept the stripes in the middle of the helmet. Really like that. Um, But the ones I really like are the brown uniforms. Um, They made the numbers a lot bigger, covering the majority of the back of the. Back in front of the jerseys, I really like that design um, with the huge uh, bolded uh, numbers for the uniforms, and the stripes look really nice with the white and the orange on the brown uniforms. And then they have their color rush. Um, the color rushes are all right. I don't like them as much. They don't have the the stripes on the side. But that's the uh, brown jersey with the orange lettering and numbers. Um, so the Browns, I, th- I like the aways. Really like the homes. And the throwbacks could uh, probably get a little work on, but um, I think they're good with what they have. Uh, As for Atlanta, they debuted some uh, new uniforms. They got four new uniforms. Um, They got a white and a black ATL, uh, really bold in the middle, saying for Atlanta and big, bolded numbers. Um, Not really a big fan of those ones. Uh, Not really popping. The black ones might look all right with some black colored visors for some of the skill players. And then they have uh, kind of a blended red into black. Uh, the jersey blends toward the bottom the black from red with black pants. Those ones I'm not really liking, though. It's kind of like a, you know, made up uh, kind of fan made jersey. I'm not really digging that kind of look. And then they have the original um. Black ones, Um, no ATL in the middle of the collar. Instead, you got uh, just the NFL logo and the numbers below trimmed in red. Uh, Pretty classic look for the Falcons. I like that um, black and white kind of look, much more than the all black with the ATL. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I really like their uniforms. Um, They debuted, you know, a a white, uh, all white uniform combination um a red and kind of that, you know, brown, grayish color um this they have as their primary color. And then that same color all the way through um throughout the whole uniform. So that kind of brownish gray for the pants and the jerseys. Uh, I really like those for Tampa Bay. Um I think it really pops. Uh Tom Bray's gonna look really well in that shout out to him uh being the new member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they kept the ship um on the shoulder I so I like that. Uh But looking at this picture from last year, um, I really liked how they had the trimming along the shoulder um, with that orange, kind of their, you know, their tertiary color besides the red, white, and then that brown, gray. They had a little touch of that orange And on the jerseys and numbers on that last one. I kind of like that one a little better. Um, So I kind of wish they kept that one. But they got the big flag on the helmet and kept uh, the ship on the jerseys. So I really like um, that one as well. So our next question is, uh, will the Cardinals ever be competitive with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray? So Cliff Kingsbury, obviously the head coach they brought in last year and Kyler Murray, the quarterback from Oklahoma, they drafted number one overall uh, last uh, NFL draft. And they didn't really do too well um, last season. Um, They, Finished last in their division, but they are in a division with the likes of San Francisco, Seattle, and L.A., all teams who have been to Super Bowls the last five years. Um, So it's hard to compete with that kind of talent in your division. But the reason for this question, um, will they ever be competitive, is interesting now because they brought in probably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and DeAndre Hopkins, um, with the trade with the Houston Texans this offseason. So I think DeAndre is going to be a huge help for Kyler Murray and obviously help him be competitive. I mean, you now have a wide receiving core um, with Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, and Andy Isabella, and Hakeem Butler. All those guys um, are young. Besides, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, um, he's going to be kind of going to be the godfather for all these guys training the young uh, Bucks and Johnson, Isabella, Butler, and Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk's kind of had a little breakout season last season, but now you had a guy like DeAndre Hopkins into that mix. And I mean, um, for Kyler Murray, he now has all the weapons he needs to be successful. And the only question now with the Cardinals is can they get offensive line help outside of, you know, like J.R. Sweezy, Marcus Gilbert? Um, they need, they have those two guys, but they need more help um, on the offensive line. To really make a difference, um, you know, they got DJ Humphreys over at left tackle, but I think I still think they're missing, you know, maybe one or two pieces on that offensive line. Because with uh, Cliff Kingsbury's air raid offense, he has all the pieces needed at the receiving position to make that offense work. The only problem is, is is Kyler Murray going to have the time to get it to all these weapons? And that's going to be the tricky subject um, with the Cardinals this season. Is can they provide enough up front for Kyler Murray to stay in the pocket and be able to get that ball out of his hands into his playmakers? But uh, of course, bringing back running back Kenyon Drake was good um, for the Cardinals since they sent over David Johnson to the uh, Houston Texans in that trade for DeAndre Hopkins. But Kenyon Drake is a good running back. And, you know, with Chase Edmonds, um, he's going to be a good change of pace back as, uh, uh, you know, their third down back uh, behind Kenyon Drake. Um, So their offense is looking pretty good. If they get help up front, the defense is okay. Um, They of course can, you know, address that some more in the draft as well, but you know, they're back front with their linebackers and secondary, you know, Chandler Jones, um, he's obviously going to be dominating, um, you know, as like, you know, the Sam linebacker, Uh, you got Hassan Reddick as the inside linebacker with Jordan Hicks being the middle linebacker. All those guys are experienced people in this league and, um can hold down that position you know in the middle of the field at the linebacker position in the, in the secondary you know you got Patrick Peterson you know everyone knows how great he is at corner one of the best cornerbacks in the league still um you got Buda Baker a guy they got last year um coming in at free safety on their depth chart they have listed right now he's a young guy who could have a breakout year Byron Murphy as well as the other cornerback and then they brought in Robert Alford um to you know take over that third cornerback role, kind of that nickel cornerback in a sense. But uh Robert Alfred will be a good key to help um, you know, solidify that secondary core. The only question is are they going to provide enough up front, both offensively and defensively, uh, to make this team competitive? But um for this question, will the Colonels ever be competitive with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray? I would say the que- or the answer to that question is yes. Um, I do think the Cardinals will be very competitive. The question is, will they be competitive enough um, in that AFC uh, or NFC West division uh, with Seattle, San Francisco, and LA? Will they be competitive enough to, you know, try to sneak into that third wild card spot now with the new rules in the NFL, um, with the playoff seedings and stuff like that? Will they be? En- will it be enough to uh, get into that? extra wild card spot cuz you also got teams in the NFC South. Um, you know, you got the Saints, Tampa Bay, and Atlanta all potentially could be playoff teams. You got four in the West. You got probably two in the NFC North, of Green Bay and Minnesota. And, you know, the Bears could bounce back if they start Nick Foles and he's a guy, so the NFC will be very tough. Um, and I, that's not even mentioning the East uh with the Eagles and the Cowboys. So that NFC seeding is going to be very tough to predict this year, um, but to answer the question, the Cardinals, yes, will be competitive. Will eventually be competitive with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Just a couple more holes up front, offensively and defensively, needed to uh, to fix there. So our next question is: um, Will Justin Herbert be a better option than Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins? And in my opinion, straight up answer, no. Um, I like Tua Tagaviola in this draft. Uh, don't get me wrong, I also like Justin Herbert. Um, he has the perfect mold to be a quarterback in this league. But I talked about this last episode with Brad Killear, um, you know, kind of ranking our quarterbacks for this draft and kind of a shout out if you want to go watch that episode. But uh, I think Tua Tagaviola has the potential to be, you know, a top 10 quarterback in this league. Um, I think if he stays healthy and um, just the leadership qualities he has and, you know, he has the accuracy. He has the dual threat ability. The question is, will he stay healthy? Um, and if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a great quarterback in this league for a long time, uh, bearing any injuries that could happen down the road. Um, but Tua Tagoviala has the accuracy, um, has the ability, has the potential to be someone as great uh, like his draft comp, uh, draft comp Drew Brees, I do see that happening with Tua Tagovailoa. With Justin Herbert however, um, with the Miami Dog with the Miami Dolphins, um the only reason this could be a better option is cuz Justin Herbert has more potential to come in and start day 1. He's fully healthy. He has all the tools needed to come in and compete um with Ryan Fitzpatrick for that job. Uh, but I just don't know. Um I think Drew or Tua Tagovailoa is the better option for the Miami Dolphins than Justin Herbert. I mean, don't get me wrong, Herbert, 6'6, 236 pounds. He's the prototype for an NFL uh quarterback, and he's gonna be a top 10 pick. Um, he's gonna go to another team and you know he's gonna be successful. But I'm thinking about the potential of being a top 10 quarterback versus uh possibly a top twenty-five quarterback. And we talked about that with Brad last episode. Um you know, even with all the risk with Tua uh, and all of his injuries and being a long-term solution, if those are off the table, Tua Tagaviola has the potential to be a top ten quarterback in my opinion, and Justin Herbert will just be a mere, you know, top twenty-five guy. Maybe you can get up in that top fifteen range, but I don't think he'll ever be that dynamic, electric quarterback that you know the league is really looking for right now. So is Justin Herbert going to be a better option than Tua Tagaviola, a quarterback for the Miami Dolphins? No, I'm going to stick with my judgment and think that Miami should not make the mistake. They should draft Tua Tagaviola um, at the draft later this week. <clears throat> so the next question we got uh, states, um, uh, how does the rumors of the, Bronco, the Denver Broncos trading up Impact the draft status of Ceedee Lamb and Jerry Judy. So this is a pretty recent question coming in for the NFL draft because uh, sources have told um, multiple reporters, and they've come out and you know had all the articles talking about it, the mock drafts like crazy. I've had mock drafts with Denver trading up to get their guy, um, but in this scenario, um, this is saying that Denver will trade up, you know, to probably the eighth or tenth spot. Um, in my opinion, with a team like the Arizona Cardinals or the Cleveland Browns. So they trade up to one of those spots at 8 and 10, and if that is the case, they will be above teams, like most likely be above teams like the Jets and the Raiders and the 49ers, three teams who could be in the market um, above uh, Denver right now currently in the draft because Denver's sitting at 15, and then you got Jets at 11, Raiders at 12, and 49ers at 13. So if the Broncos were up, were to trade up to 10 or 8 with the Cardinals or the Browns, um, you now have a situation where they have a full range of pick, uh, most likely at their wide receiver of choice, depending on how the top uh, seven plays out. But if no wide receivers go, they have their choice of CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs III, the top three wide receivers in this draft in any particular order, I would say right now, um, all three are exceptional wide receivers who could be huge playmakers in this league uh, from day one. So Denver moves up uh, to that eighth or tenth spot. I think they do have the possibility or do have, um, they do have the ability, um, sorry, they do have the ability to draft one of those three wide receivers. And, so I do think that trading up will impact the draft status of C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. Uh, they can obviously be a higher pick, uh, one or the two, depending on who uh, Denver decides to take. Um, but between the two of them, because um, you got that order right after the 10th uh, the tenth pick in the draft, where I said we got the Jets, Raiders, 49ers, all three teams in the market for wide receivers. Um, so you got the, the big three will fall in that range from... I would say eight to thirteen. The big three will be off the board. So, uh, in my opinion, trading up will impact the draft status of Ceedee Lamb or Jerry Judy. Um, no, um, I think the the impact of uh, their draft status will remain the same around that. You know, ten to thirteen. You know, maybe eight to thirteen range depending on where teams trade up to. Because uh, you know, the Cardinals could very well trade back in this draft as well as the Cleveland Browns to get there. Um, guy and a couple more picks so I think that the uh, draft status um, for those two players and where we kind of have them falling um, within those pick that pick of rain or range of picks um, between eight and 13 will still be the range for those top three guys the only real uh, you know change I could see is whether or not um, Jerry Judy goes above Stevie Lamb or Denver takes a guy like Henry Ruggs, like I've discussed in all my pretty much all of my mock drafts. I really like Henry Ruggs to the Denver Broncos. But if they want their pick of their guy, they will have to trade up above these um, three teams I've mentioned to take that guy. So the draft status of CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy um, will be impacted depending on who Denver trades up and who they like as their guy. So the next question we have uh, coming in is about the UFC. And this one states, what do you think of Dana White's Fight Island, and do you think it will happen? So Dana White, um, you know, the commissioner of the uh, UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship, um, during this coronavirus pandemic, uh, they canceled UFC 275, um, can't have any fans, they can't have any fights, um, all that kind of stuff, they are taken a big blow like the rest of the sports world, But Dana White came up with a solution. Uh, He said that he will create a fight island um, at a private island and continue to have the events um, on that island and have players um, and athletes continue to fight. And uh, from what I uh, tell, um, the infrastructure is being built on the island, said Dana White. Um, But from what I can tell, the media will still be there. Um, They're going to have some way of uh, having coverage of the events, um, they will have no fans, um, but I mean, they're going to have all the uh, athletes get there and start training on the island, um, and then by May and either May or June, um, hopefully, going to have uh, some fights happen uh, on the island where they're going to train, and then eventually have the event take place. So I think it's a great idea. Um, the world needs sports, and if you can find a sustainable way to have sports still continue to happen um, and prevent the spread of the coronavirus, keep everyone safe at the same time. Cause I think if you get the players in um, and the fighters into the island and the media, whoever you get in to cover the event, uh, you get a man, test them and they're all clear. Uh, you keep them, you know, on the island, tr- have them train there and have everything they need uh, ready to go on the island. Uh, there's no harm, no foul. Um, everyone stays safe. Um, you keep the fights going and you cover it and you can distribute it out to the world and we have sports again. So I love this idea. And do I think it will happen? I don't know. Um, you know, they've had some opposition, um, with this, you know, idea of having fight Island, um, you know, from the United States and you know, don't want they don't want their uh, citizens to go out there and you know, the American fighters to go out there and catch corona from, you know, citizens of other countries and bring it back into the country, furthering the spread. Um so I want it to happen. Um I think it's a great idea. Um if you know the coronavirus keeps up and continues to prevent sports from occurring. Um I think Fight Island is a real possibility and I think it should happen. Uh, you know, it gives us something to finally talk about, of course, and also enjoy. And, you know, it will be, um, one of the first sports to come back. You know, we talked about the PGA coming back, but I think the UFC can be the second, uh, with Fight Island. And I think it's a great idea and I think it should happen. So our last question coming in, uh, is about the MLB and it's saying, how should the MLB or, uh, uh, sorry, uh, How do you think the MLB should tackle and handle one-year contracts and trades amid the COVID-19 pandemic? So this is interesting. Um, This question is coming from the MLB, um, potentially going to start games back up uh, here in the near future, hopefully. And if they delay the seasons, um, how is that going to work for players on one-year contracts and players who have gotten traded with one year remaining on their deals? So that's going to be... a very interesting question to talk about if the season gets delayed or they, um, you know they cancel it completely is will those players still be under contract uh, with those teams or are they going to have to you know, you know, negotiate with teams and come to toward a new agreement and contract with them? But uh, one article posted on MLB.com, so the official MLB website, um, there's a statement that said, in the absolute worst case scenario of a canceled season, players will receive the same service time they did in 2019, which would allow players who are a one year or less from free agency uh, to become free agents next fall, no matter what. So if they cancel the season um, right now in place, or if the season gets canceled right now, um, what would the MLB said, the plan in place is that those players on one year contracts will become free agents. So obviously for, Teams who have gotten players in the trade, like Mookie Betts, Trevor Bauer, uh, JT Rometo, um, those kind of guys will become free agents, um, and teams that just traded for them, obviously, that's not ideal if they can't get them back on uh, a further contract extension. But that's more money in the pockets of, you know, the players and more money that the uh, managers and owners of teams like you know, kind of scrape in to get those players back. Um, Cause obviously they traded for them for a reason and they want them there. Um, they want them there and they want them to play. And obviously they haven't even played yet because the season hasn't even started. Um, so they want these guys to play. And the situation like with this is interesting because, you know, they got them on a one year deal the players with one years left. They want to, they want to play that year with, you know, their new team or they want to play that final year with their team that drafted them Uh, pick them up, stuff like that. Um, So how do I think they should tackle and handle one-year contracts? Um, I don't think they should allow them to be free agents. I think if the season gets canceled, you just omit the year, and they still have one year remaining on their contract for next season. Keep them around next season. I think that's the best uh, way to go forward with that because you can't let these players walk and become free agents, um, and they haven't even played that season. It's not fair to the players, not fair to the fans, and it's not fair to the owners. So I don't like how that says it's you know kind of the and it says it's the absolute worst case scenario, um, but I think there's a lot more best case scenarios you can definitely go with uh, with this situation, and hopefully MLB comes back and all these players um, get the justice they deserve on their one year contracts and get to play out their final years and move on uh, either through a contract negotiation or signing with another team. I think the season's canceled. Uh, Players should be obligated to get their one year back um, next year uh, of eligibility on their contract. That's my take on that one. And that wraps up all of our questions we had on this episode of the Sloth Sports Show. So special thanks to everyone who sent in all the questions. um, Give us some content to talk about this week. Um, It was very helpful. Uh, It was very Very fun to look up all these questions and get my takes on all of them and uh, do this episode uh, talking about all those things. But we're going to have a lot more content next week with the NFL draft coming up at the end of this week. Very excited. And we're probably going to have some sort of Instagram live draft show during the draft. So look forward to that. But for this week, that's all the time we have. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.